This is a special video in which I'm going to provide an overview of what's happened and where we're heading. First, I'm tired of the lies and misconceptions that have been spread about COVID-19 during the last best part of two years. I've lost count of the number of ways that politicians and journalists and doctors have attempted to mislead the public. One of the rustiest lies is that the number of people dying in the UK is far greater than normal because of COVID-19. A hospital consultant I spoke to was insistent that the higher death total proved how deadly COVID-19 really is. He got red-faced in defending this calumny. He was wrong, of course. Like many doctors and journalists, he wanted to believe the lies because they're more digestible than the truth. In reality, any doctor or journalist who believes this scam has either been bought or is insane, or possibly both. Take a hard look at official statistics, which prove that the whole COVID-19 pandemic, pandemic is a hoax. The experimental jab, which even governments and the World Health Organization admit doesn't stop you getting COVID or passing it on to someone else, is killing or maiming millions, all for no reason at all. They knew back in 2020 that these experimental mRNA jabs would cause a massive number of deaths. Back in December 2020, I made a video referring to the FDA's working draft list in which I warned that the COVID jabs would cause myocarditis, pericarditis, heart attacks, blood clotting and strokes. If I knew that back last year in 2020, then the politicians and their medical advisers must have known it too. The whole COVID-19 story is a fraud. Look first at the total number dying. The UK's Office for National Statistics reports that the mortality rate per 100,000 population was 1,016 in 2020. But that isn't out of the ordinary. For example, 20 years ago, in the year 2000, the crude mortality rate per 100,000 was 1,031.6. Mortality rates vary from year to year. And I believe they'll soar in the next few years because of the closure of some hospital departments, a growing population, and the fact that 4.7 million Britons at least are on waiting lists and many of those will wait years for treatment. But the evidence shows not only that the death rate in 2020 wasn't exceptional, but that the number of deaths from COVID-19 was much the same as the death rates from the flu. Indeed, among healthy young children, the death rate from COVID-19 was a fraction of the number of children dying from flu in a normal year. The government's own figures also show that NHS hospitals have not been hectic, overcrowded or busier than ever. Indeed, the figures show that hospitals have been quieter. I've quoted all these figures many times. The staff had plenty of time to make jolly little dance videos. I have, since March 2020, been pointing out that the government was officially advised that the coronavirus was no more deadly than the flu. The link to the official proof of that is on both my websites, www.vernoncolman.com and www.vernoncolman.org. The thousands of fact-checkers now roaming the internet can't argue with that, or indeed with anything else I've said for the last two years. Isn't it odd, incidentally, how many patronising, pompous and sanctimonious fact-checkers turn out to have received money from people I wouldn't trust to tell me the time? Since the start of this hoax, I've been saying that COVID-19 is just the annual flu 
rebranded and better marketed. It was fairly easy to see from the original figures. The UK government's own figures prove that this is true. And I suspect that the figures around the world show the same story. Doctors everywhere have been falsifying death certificates, sometimes because they or their hospital receives a bonus for listing deaths as being caused by COVID-19, rather than cancer or respiratory or circulatory problems. Over 18 months ago, I reported that in the USA, the CDC had recognised that most of the deaths listed as being caused by COVID-19 were, in fact, caused by something else. I can prove quite easily that COVID-19 is, in statistical terms, no more deadly than the annual flu. And incidentally, people who've had the flu can suffer problems for months afterwards. It's just that no one ever called it long flu. Research published the other day, by the way, showed that the only symptom definitely associated with long COVID is a loss of smell. That's it. The rest of it seems to be all in the imagination. I believe that long COVID was invented to increase vaccine uptake and to cover up vaccine injuries for vaccine red jab. The death total with COVID is no more than might be expected with the flu. Again, using the government's own figures. Right at the beginning of this fraud, I pointed out that up to 650,000 people can die in a single six or seven month flu season. That's a World Health Organization figure. As I think most people now know, governments everywhere have exaggerated the numbers allegedly dying from COVID-19. They've used the PCR test, which is one of the most utterly useless tests on earth. You're likely to test positive if you had a cold a year ago. And to make sure that the PCR test picks up the greatest number of people, they increase the number of cycles. The World Health Organization recommends 20 or 25 cycles be used, but in the UK, they were using 45 cycles the last time I looked. That makes the PCR test absurdly sensitive. It'll pick up a positive result from a piece of concrete. And they have, of course, claimed that anyone dying within 60 days or sometimes 28 days of a positive PCR test has died of COVID-19. If someone was run over by a bus or killed with an axe, they'll still be put down as being, having been killed by COVID-19. Huge numbers who died with COVID-19 have been listed as having died of COVID-19. There's a huge difference between with and of. According to the UK government's own figures, the total number of, jet, uh, of alleged COVID-19 deaths per season is a maximum of 48,895. Now that's a tragedy, of course. But the government reported that the total flu deaths for 2017-2018 came to 50,100. That's their total, not mine. The Daily Mail reported that the 50,100 deaths were blamed, blamed on deadly strains of flu that spread between December and March. You'll note that flu deaths are usually measured over a flu season, the winter months. The spring and summer deaths don't get included. So let's get back to the COVID-19 deaths for the two recent winters, an average of 48,895. We have to remember that there have been virtually no official flu deaths. Flu seems to have mysteriously disappeared in the time period that COVID-19s existed. Even the Daily Mail in the UK reported that the flu had disappeared. So now we have the proof that COVID-19 hoax is a hoax, a fraud, a deception, a cheat, a swindle. 
Moreover, right from the start, the facts have been suppressed. All debate's been outlawed, and anyone speaking out's been reviled, vilified, and monstered. Professionally, I've been deliberately destroyed. I've been banned by Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and numerous publishing platforms, and heaven knows where else, simply for telling the truth. I was expelled from the Royal Society of Arts for the same crime, truth-telling. The fact is that the masks, the lockdowns, the social distancing and the experimental jabs were all unnecessary. In 2017-2018 there were more deaths from the flu, the commoner garden flu, than there were deaths from Covid-19 in the winter seasons of either 2019-2020-2020-2021. Those, remember, are official government figures. The government's death figures rely largely on the positive results obtained through COVID-19 tests. If someone dies within 60 or 28 days of a positive test for COVID-19, then, according to governments, they died of COVID-19. Once again, I've been arguing for what now seems like decades, that the figures are absurdly high because they include many false positives. Even The Guardian confirmed that senior government officials in the UK estimates that as few as 2-10% to of positive results may be accurate, so up to 98% are false positives. So there you have it, final irrefutable proof that the COVID-19 pandemic, plandemic, never existed. It was a hoax. And the problem for the fact-checkers around the world is that all the facts and all the figures I've just quoted come from the UK government. There is, of course, a purpose to all this. The COVID-19 fraud doesn't exist alone, just for the sake of it. It's an integral part of a plan to take us towards a new world. The people who created the fraud have several aims. When I made my first video about the coronavirus in the middle of March 2020, I warned that those behind the fraud, I called it a hoax at that point, had three intentions. First, to get rid of a good many old people. Cornering and killing the elderly was vital because politicians were appalled at the amount of money they're having to spend on pensions. Second, to introduce a mandatory vaccination programme and third, to get rid of cash. It's now clear those predictions were all accurate and they're all part of a plan to lead us into a world government, to introduce social credits into our everyday lives, to kill off billions of people, particularly the elderly and the frail and the mentally and physically disabled, DNR notices were put on people in their 30s because they were disabled. The elderly were given midazolam and denied medical care. When thousands of elderly people were murdered in care homes, governments and big companies boasted about the billions of pounds they were saving in pensions they wouldn't have to pay. Some people find it difficult to believe that all this is happening. Cognitive dissonance means that we want to believe that the people who run the country may be a little bit crooked but not completely corrupt. However, a couple of days ago I spotted a piece of evidence which proves the truth of everything I've been saying about the horrors of a cashless society and the introduction of a system of social credits which will lead to our being totally controlled. The Bank of England and HM Treasury in the UK are now preparing a UK digital currency to replace cash and to enable them to know what you're buying and where and when you're buying it. The new systems being designed to enable the tax authorities to take money out of your account so that all your taxes and fines are paid automatically. All this is being done under the auspices of and with the encouragement of the Bank of International Settlements, which is very keen 
on central banks creating digital currencies. It was the Bank of International Settlements which helped fund the Nazis in World War II. The proof of this is in my book The Shocking History of the EU, which, in which I revealed that without the BIS there'd have been no Second World War and there'd be no European Union today. The BIS is mega powerful and it's a big player in the great reset and the plans for the new normal. It's pretty clear that this is all part of the social credit program whereby the authorities will be able to punish or reward you according to your behaviour. You know what I mean, I hope. If you buy food that they think is unhealthy, you'll be punished by not being able to travel. If you access the wrong websites or mix with the wrong people, you'll be punished by being denied access to certain shops, selling luxuries such as food, clothing. It's already happening in China and it's coming here. It's an extension of the Vax Passports scheme. Without a digital passport, you won't exist. You'll be like a citizen of the USSR or the Eastern Bloc trying to exist without papers. Am I exaggerating? Not a bit of it. Anyone putting up with this and carrying a Vax passport must be compared to those who put up with Hitler and the National Socialist German Workers' Party in the 1930s and then said afterwards that they were just doing what they were told to do. The people who accept the jab because they want to go to a football match or a nightclub, are collaborators. Those who carry their damned passports are traitors. It's far too late to be polite or to worry about hurting people's feelings. We're fighting a war. There's talk of a two-tier society, but as I'll explain in a minute or two, it'll be a three-tier society. And here's the killer about digital cash. The Bank of England and the UK government say that their new digital money will be programmable. And what do they mean by that? Well, in their words, and this is how they're planning to sell the new currency to the millions who've already accepted social distancing, masks, lockdowns and the experimental jab. Parents who give their children pocket money will be able to, and I quote, program the money so that it couldn't be used for sweets, close quotes. That's what the Bank of England says. Parents will be able to program the new digital currency so that it can't be used to buy sweets. If that doesn't make you go cold inside, then you need to stop the video and think about it for a moment. The digital currency parents will give to children will be the same digital currency that you'll receive as part of your universal basic income. It's what your employer will pay you in. It's what your pension or your dividends will be paid in, all automatically put into your bank account and registered in your digital passport. Those who think cash is old-fashioned and a bit of a nuisance and that digital currencies are wonderful might like to think about all this. The UK government is also setting up a single customer account for us all that will, open quotes, remove some of their administrative burden by enabling third parties such as banks and pension providers to pass on information regarding tax automatically to HMRC, the UK tax office. Once that is done, as I said, HMRC will take what it thinks it's owed from your digital account to make life simpler. Remember, the Britons rejected ID cards when the war criminal Blair was pushing them? Well, this is ID cards on steroids. Social credit is coming and it's coming fast. Anyone who denies that's stupid, ignorant or lying, I'm afraid. Remember, back in March 2020, I warned that they were planning three things. 
targeting the elderly and killing many of them because of pension and healthcare costs, introducing mandatory vaccination and getting rid of cash. As a direct result of that warning, my 50-year career was trashed and within days I was lied about and described all over the internet as a discredited and as discredited and as a conspiracy theorist. Liars all over the internet wrongly claimed that I wasn't a doctor or that I'd been struck off the medical register. Another lie. And then there were claims that I was campaigning in order to make money. And that lie doesn't stand up when you realise that right from the start I've refused to monetize my videos, best part of 300 of them now, and refused to accept adverts or sponsors or donations. We're heading remorselessly towards the transhumanism dreamt of by the proponents of the Great Reset. And this matters because we're now living in a country every bit as repressive and restrictive as the Russia of Stalin or the China of Mao Zedong. Governments are in the process of making a refusal to take an experimental jab as big a crime as not joining the right political party was in China. Everything they say is a lie. Everyone who opposes them is considered mad, bad and dangerous to know. Members of the new race of humans, a subspecies perhaps, are already pretty much completely dependent on their electronic gadgets and their apps. They're reliant on distant sources of inhuman programmed information and guidance. We're being forced to buy smartphones, whether we want them or not. Millions allow software to decide how they save, invest and spend their money. And even if, they're, if they consult professional financial advisors, the advice they obtain comes second-hand from professional software. As far as the consumer is concerned, the human element is so slender as to be almost invisible. Medical care is managed by computers too, with software guiding doctors as they make diagnoses and plan treatment programs, and if surgery is required, then the knife may now be guided by a pre-programmed robot. We're advised that the diagnoses made by computers are more reliable than diagnoses made by humans, and that surgery planned and performed by computer-controlled robots is safer and more efficient than the traditional kind. On the roads, we're encouraged to put our lives in the hands of software designed for self-driving motor cars. Even when we think we have some control over the vehicle in which we sit, the computer may decide when to switch on the lights and the windscreen wipers, and even press the brake for us when it deems such action appropriate. The computer will tell us if we stray from our allotted lane, and control and record our decisions for authority to examine. The computer's allegiance is always to authority. It is dedicated to treachery. At home, our daily activities are managed by the Internet of Things. Our television set listens to our human conversations and report what it hears to higher authority. Refrigerators can order our food for us, making sure that only approved items are selected. All this has happened within a single generation, and we are, without question or suspicion, handing over control of more and more of our decisions and our behaviour at a speed which I find quite terrifying. Computers also control our governments and their vital ministries, the events which dominated every aspect of life in 2020 and 2021 and which seem determined and destined to control lives around the globe for all, forever now with a result of computer modelling. Mathematicians with virtually no medical knowledge or practical experience, and with track records notably, notable only for their apparently appalling incompetence, made fundamental decisions which will, I believe, result in millions of deaths and the virtual destruction 
of the global economy. The fundamental problem, of course, is that all this software, all these computer programs, make decisions which depend entirely upon the information with which they're fed. The app, which tells you where to invest and how to make best use of your pension, makes decisions according to the information with which it's been fed by human operators. Diagnostic computers are only as good as the basic information with which they've been supplied. The individuals who create the algorithms have all the power. Government policies, now made not by politicians or even by their advisors, qualified or otherwise, but by computer operators and mathematicians, who are, of course, themselves totally reliant on their own sources of information. It's for this reason that egregious errors are frequently made. And, of course, sources of information which appear reliable and authoritative may, like Wikipedia, be controlled by people who have vested interests to defend and promote. It's no accident that billionaires are financing the Great Reset. As always, it's all about power and money. The promised wonder of transhumanism is an easily sold myth. The idea that we can all become an improved version of the six million dollar man is an easy concept to sell. Jason Bourne with enhanced mental and physical prowess isn't a hard sell to those who want to be more than they are but without the once inevitable effort. But the reality of transhumanism is not quite what it seems to be and yet despite that it's a myth that is ever getting closer, approaching us at such a speed that most people still have no, no idea what's happening to them, to their lives or the world around them or what's going to happen to them next. The result, of course, though, is that we're moving inexorably towards the future they have planned for us, and we're expected to rely upon the goodwill and honest aims of those who are intent on controlling our lives and our future. We're heading towards a choice none of us thought we'd ever have to make. It is enjoy indeed a choice we'd never imagined could or would exist. The Great Reset being promoted in the West is the equivalent of the Cultural Revolution which took place and is still taking place in China. The ever-changing rules are designed to cause chaos, panic, confusion and despair. Nothing happens by accident. The plan is to force us into one of three groups. Those living under an apartheid regime, those living in a ghetto and those who are living in enslavement. And you're going to have to choose soon because this war is more advanced than you think. It isn't difficult to work out which of the three groups you want to be in and which, what the three groups are going to be. You'll have to choose. First, there's enslavement. Joining this group's very easy. You just have to do exactly what you're told. Make sure that you're connected to all the available apps so that you can be pinged if you seem to have been in contact with anyone who's tested positive for COVID-19. Make sure you have all the jabs you're invited to have and you'll receive a vaccine passport which will enable you to travel abroad with some restrictions and to entertain entertainment and sporting venues. You may even be excused from self-isolation and lockdowns. At the moment, most governments are recommending three jabs of the COVID-19 concoction, but within a month or two the requirement will rise to four jabs and more. I've always suspected they'd want the jabs to be monthly. Anyone who thinks they'll stop at three jabs needs to have their medication altered. In my first Wednesday Review video, published on the 10th of November on Brand YouTube, I published evidence that Pfizer is expecting their income from jabbing to continue well into the future. 
those who decide to abandon their traditional individual rights will be expected to enter the digital word world completely. They'll subscribe to smartphone applications which will ensure that all their financial and medical information is stored centrally. All their bills, including tax bills and utilities, will be paid automatically with payments taken out of their online bank account. Their financial and medical records will be accessible to everyone associated with the state, including banks, employers, utility companies, police, major retailers and so on. Cash will be a memory. Those who choose the enslavement option will find their lives will be run largely by the state. They'll be herded into smart cities and in return for surrendering all their independence, they'll be rewarded with full membership of the new normal society. Next, there are those who aren't prepared to accept everything they've told they've been told to do, but who still want to live on the edges of the society they grow up in. These individuals will live in an apartheid world. They'll live in the digital world, but not be of it. They'll be second-class citizens in every possible way. The transhuman creatures around them will have the privileges. Those in the apartheid world will exist, half in and half out of the digital society, excluded from the delights and entirely without privileges. Unjabbed, unmasked, they'll survive without all the things we take for granted. They will, for the large part, be beggars, reliant on handouts from an elite which will have been trained to regard them as the enemy and all have been wired to be without compassion. And then there will be the ghettos, where the defiant will survive as best they can. They won't just be spiritual ghettos, as they perhaps are at the moment. They will be physical ghettos, apart from digital society, way apart from the digital society. Those in the physical ghettos will be forever in danger. They will, if they are lucky, be left apart, alone and unprotected. The residents of the ghettos will have to fend for themselves, providing themselves with food, shelter and primitive medical care. But they will be the last free men and women outside and away from the reach of the forces of evil. Those are the choices we have to make now, because time's running out. My choice? It's the ghetto, of course. The future's already on our doorstep. But we will, of course, keep fighting. There's a line in the film Casablanca, which is rather apt. If we stop fighting our enemies, the world will die. And indeed it will. Please visit my own websites, vernoncolman.org and vernoncolman.com. You can find free books on both sites and brand new stuff is added every weekday. There are hundreds of original articles to read, going way back for years, but as far as this fraud is concerned, going back to March 2020. Vernon Coleman's Wednesday Review, shown on Brand New Tube, will, God willing, appear every Wednesday at 7pm. If it doesn't, then either something's happened to me or my videos have been suppressed, as is so much of what I do these days. None of my videos are monetized. there's no ads. The truth has never been so unpopular. Within a few months it'll be illegal to say anything critical about vaccines of any kind, and it'll be a criminal offence to share the truth about science. They've been planning this for years, and they are at last reaching the horrifying point where there won't need to be any book burning, because there won't be any books to burn. Finally, although it may feel like it at times, please remember you're not alone. More and more people are waking up, and once they're awake, they don't go back to sleep. 
If we're going to win this war, we have to fight with passion, with determination and with the truth. Distrust the government, avoid mass media and fight the lies. And thank you for watching An Old Man in a Chair. <laughs>